such a wonderful children's minute. Amen? Amen? That reminds me of a story about a Christian man who was in the market for a horse, and he looked in the ad section of the paper and uh, saw an ad for a Christian horse for sale. Well, being a Christian himself, he was very curious as to what a Christian horse is, so he went to the person selling the horse and said, how do you know it's Christian? And, and the man said, well, it's easy. Uh, when you get on him to make him go, you say, praise the Lord. He said, okay, well, how do you make him stop? Well, to make him stop, you say, amen, right? And, and so the guy said, well, I just need to try this out and see how it works. So he got on him, and sure enough, he very kind of softly said, praise the Lord, and the horse started walking. He said, praise the Lord again, and the horse started trotting. He said, praise the Lord, and the horse started running, and it started running in the direction of a very deep ravine to which the man said all of a sudden, amen, 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 and the horse stopped. To which the man said, whew, praise the Lord, right? Horse kept going, get it? Yeah, right. That has nothing to do with the sermon today. Uh, not really, except I'm mindful of something I ran across this week uh, from our Jewish brothers and sisters who tell us that laughter is a form of keeping covenant because laughter is an outward expression of an inward joy and, and joy comes from the Lord. It's also reminiscent of our covenant from last week, the covenant with Abraham and, and Sarah. They were far too old to have children and God said, no, no, come outside and look up and you see all of those stars, that's how many of your ancestors there will be. I'll establish a covenant with you. Abraham kind of hem hauled around that. You know what Sarah did? She laughed. She laughed. So laughter is a continuation of the covenant. It's a beautiful expression of that, if you ask me. Covenants maybe are a little bit laughable. Why is it that God, who would create the universe, would want to come down and stoop so low into human life and try to bring people together, as Jillian said? Why, why would God a God of the universe do such a thing? Why would God uh, suspend laws of, of nature? Why would God do the extraordinary through ordinary people and through people who were far too old to be having children, for example? Why would God use um, a drunkard like Noah and a very elderly couple like Abraham and Sarah and then a murderer and a stammerer like Moses? Why would he use those persons as a media. What does that say about the way God can, can use somebody like you and me to bring about wholeness and unity in this world? It's preposterous, really. Laughable, almost. But I think it indicates God's love for, for us. And that is anything but a laughing matter, except from a profound sense of joy. The first part of today's scripture lesson is the outward and visible sign of the covenant. Every covenant is accompanied by an outward sign, the bow in the clouds, um, the um, circumcision with uh, marking God's people. Now it's the law. And so the first part of our reading today is the Ten Commandments. You know them. You shall have no other gods before me. Make for yourselves no idols. Do not use the Lord's name in vain or use it incorrectly. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. 
Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor and do not covet what your neighbor has. Those are the guardrails, if you will, that God gives the people to keep them moving in a direction toward the promised land and toward abundant life. That's the outward sign. Chapter 24 of Exodus tells us how the covenant was ratified. I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship at a distance. Only Moses shall come near the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up either. Moses came up and told the people all the words of the Lord and all of the ordinances, and all of the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning. He built an altar at the foot of the mountain. He set up twelve pillars to correspond with the twelve tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed oxen as offerings of well-being to the Lord. Moses took half the blood and he put it into basins and half the blood he dashed against the altar and he took the book of the covenant and he read it in the hearing of the people and they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do and we will be obedient. And then Moses took the blood and dashed it on the people and he said, see the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And skipping ahead to verse 15. And then Moses went up the mountainside, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain. And all the people at the base of the mountain, they saw it. Moses entered the cloud, and he went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. This is the word of God. For the people of God, thanks be to God. Covenants are messy. Animal sacrifice is you know, the flaying open of two halves like you heard last week and God and Abraham walking through that, that bloodstream. It's, it's messy and dashing the altar with, with blood. It's just gross, really. I saw a priest uh, during this pandemic baptize a baby with a super soaker water gun. You know, it was very tactile, very hands-on, very engaging. But can you imagine coming forward and us throwing these elements at you and dashing you with Mr. Welch's grape juice? I'm all for experiential worship, but even that blood stuff has its limits. But the covenants, they're messy. The reason why is human relationships are messy. Messy relationships need to be repaired and our covenants do that. They require sacrifice on both parts. And so what I, one of the things I hope you're, you're hearing throughout this series is, is God is being made known little by little in different and brand new ways. Each time there's a covenant, God is revealing a little bit more about who God is. With Noah, there's no more Violence, no more weapons of mass destruction, no more punitive relationship between God and the people. I'm hanging my bow up in the clouds and it, it will become something beautiful. And with Abraham, it's, it's a covenant to say, I will bless you, but only that you may bless the world, right? That's 
That's the role of God's people. I will bless you but so that you'll bless others in my name. And so today, the sacrifice that we're seeing is, is a meeting of halfway. It's another way that God is saying, I will pour myself out for you. I will not give up on you. I will make another covenant with you. I, I will be right there to walk with you every step of the way to make sure that you're not going to drive yourself off the cliff of life. I will be those guardrails for you. And when you come and you start smashing into things because you're trying to figure out how to relate to me and how you're try, trying to relate to other people, I will make sure that irreparable damage is not done. So we have the Decalogue. We have the tablet, the two tablets. We have the Ten Commandments that serve in, in that way. But it's a two-way street. God initiates covenant. God puts it out there. God promises to do God's part, but we have a role to play in all of this as well. If you think about any relationship in which you find yourself or have found yourself throughout life, it, it has to be a two-way street if it's going to work. One, it's founded on communication. Two, it's founded on uh, mutual footing and, and equality with, with one another. And if there's a breach in that relationship, if one party is guilty and one party has been uh, victimized or has become vulnerable, it takes both parties to work at it to make, to make it work, to move forward. This is a marriage covenant between God and, and Israel. God has given a, what we call a perimeter ethic, and he's put the people in there, and he said, I'm going to place a hedge around you so you can relate to me and you can relate to one another, and we'll move forward together toward mission and vision and the promised land. This is Israel's moment of constitutional law, and through a book reading of the covenant, as we heard in chapter 24, and through the shedding of blood, Israel is binding herself to God. In just a moment, we're going to share something eerily similar, a service of word and table where we'll share in the body and blood of Christ. This act of binding ourselves to God in, in covenant, it's one part for relationship, it's another part for principled obligation, because to swear allegiance to God and, and God alone, as the first commandment says, it seems like a foreign concept that should be relegated centuries ago to a mountain, because we are people who are skeptical, even fearful of, of authority. We're far more seduced and we give in to moral, therapeutic deism with our religion. We just want to be made to feel good and happy all of this time, but there's work to be done. And so all these thou shalt nots, these do's and these don'ts, 10 of which we read today, there's 613 more in the law. They're not designed to be stifling or strict. They're, they're designed to give us a framework for how to, how to live an abundant life and treat each other. But they fly in the face of our individualism our self-madeness. And you know what? That's precisely the point of the covenants. Because the community of faith, it's not formed forensically. It's formed sacramentally. It's liturgically marked. What Israel shall become and what we shall become will be determined by our daily response to these ethical guardrails that God has given us how we treat God, how we treat one another, and how we treat ourselves. And God is all in. God says, no more social distancing for me. I will not be quarantined. Grace will never quarantine from my people 
And God says, no matter how much, how often we try to mask ourselves and hide from God and hide from each other and hide from ourselves, God will just take all those masks off and say, here I am. All of that is coming in totality, little by little, through these Old Testament covenants, and it will be at its pinnacle moment in the person of Jesus Christ. God on full display. One whose blood would be dashed in a different way and poured out in a different way. One whose body would be broken in a different way to unite people back together. From the outset of, of this entire series, I've, I've maintained that, that the purpose of the covenants is, is reconciliation. And the purpose of these, these covenants is to connect us with God and to connect us with each other. And reconciliation, it, it really just assumes a breach in some kind of, of relationship that something has gone wrong, that, that something needs to be repaired or that something is binding us, maybe. And so covenants free us in that way, individually. But covenants are about the community. It's about the collective. Because the, the, the binds, the, the links of justice and equality, when they're broken, God is passionate about helping repair those broken places. Honestly, all of the uh, systemic cycles of harm can be overcome if the people of God would just step into this framework and say, we need to treat each other better. And we need to treat ourselves better. And we certainly need to treat our God better. And so the big picture for Lent today, it seems a little bit odd to be talking about the Ten Commandments on this third Sunday of Lent because we're fasting and we're praying and we're doing spiritual disciplines and we have service opportunities and we're worshiping three times a week and taking communion every time we meet and we're in covenant groups and, and all of a sudden we get this set of rules, this perimeter ethic and it's like, whew, we're being kicked while we're down. What gives? I think it's important to remember what happened a year ago this Sunday. This time last year, you know what we were doing? We were elbow bumping for the last time in mass to the tune of 850 people plus Sunday school attendees because a year ago we suspended all of our in-person worship experiences in our classes. It's been a whole year. It's been an entire year. I, I've done my best to to keep up with my spiritual disciplines and practices for the season of Lent. But about, uh, about a week ago, I, I realized I was falling short and I was fatigued, I was tired, I just kept running into a brick wall with trying to keep my, my disciplines of this or that. And I just realized it's because I started giving up things last year and Lent has just continued for a whole year. I don't know that I have anything left to give up. We've given up worship being together. We've been in the wilderness for an entire year. And here we get to these Ten Commandments. It's like, you're kicking us while we're down? Really? If you back up several millennia, you think about the fact that, that the Hebrew people had been enslaved for 400 years. 
And then there was the Exodus experience, the Exodus event. And then they wandered for 440 more years. So for, four, for 40 more years. So for 440 years, the people wandered around in the, in the wilderness, their own Lenten experience. Do you think they forgot what covenant was like and how to, how to be a community of faith? I do. It's been a whole year, and, and I know there's some spiritual atrophy, some, some faith atrophy, atrophy that has set in with all of us. And it's going to take some time to re-assimilate, to re-gather together. It's going to be awkward to shake a hand in a few weeks, to get back where people are less than six feet from us. It's going to take time to get back in the swing of Bible studies, mission projects. I get that. We have to crawl before we walk in order to get back up and running. I get that. So I'm just wondering... Because sometimes people think about the Ten Commandments as being punitive law, strict. See if you can keep them, right? But I just wonder if it's God's way of saying, let's do rehab together. It's been 440 years since we've talked, really. You don't remember how to be in covenant together. You don't remember how to be a community of faith. So let me, let me show you how to treat one another. And early on, I can make a case early on that, that this particular covenant works on this relationship, the vertical and the horizontal, and that's, that's cruciform ministry. It's an image of the cross that's forthcoming. So I think after 400 years of spiritual fatigue, God is, is ready to do something new. I think after a whole year of this strange distancing like we've experienced, and now during these 40 days of, of Lent in 2021, I think God is on the cusp of doing something, something new. I think God knows we're parched and we're fatigued and we're anxious, and God is saying, just step into my love, and I'll help you get your feet back under you. That's what covenant does for us. So we have this rehab regimen, really, it's not punitive. It's just a way of us seeing God's own heart to say, I want to show you how to treat one another. It's a way of God saying, I have this theology of life, this belief in, in life. So here it is with these commandments. It happens first by us prioritizing our life. It's the very first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God have no other gods before him. It took God 40 days and 40 nights to, to have Moses design what the new faith community would look like. It took Jesus 40 days in the wilderness to, to really get temptation behind him and move forward with, with ministry toward the cross. And, and here we are in this ongoing season of, of Lent and these 40 days of, of actual Lent for 2021. And I just wonder, how is it we're preparing our hearts for God to do something new come Easter morning? What is the promised land? What is the mission? What is the direction God is, is leading us if we'll just step into God's love and, and get our legs back under us a little bit? And we often ask, how bad is it if I don't keep Sabbath? If I go to work in the office for a couple hours on Sunday, or how bad is it if I, if I covet? Nobody really knows, but God knows. Because God knows the community is at stake. And that when we covet and when we envy and when we 
When we lose sight of our, our focus, it eats at us, it erodes at our soul. And if it erodes at our soul, it erodes at the family soul. If it, if it erodes at the family, then it erodes the community of faith. That's what's at stake by giving ourselves to a covenant and allowing God to, to guide us through this. Friends, this, this is the third week of Lent. And I think God's heart is on full display with this covenant. It's a gift, really. Because left to our own doing, we would never really figure out how to relate to God and to one another. So God says, here it is. Great is God's faithfulness. This covenant is an opportunity. It's, it's a call to see where we've fallen short and to smash into that gutter guard with the bowling balls of our lives, but to keep moving forward. This is a grace-filled covenant because we really get to see how we fail to be an obedient church how we have not done God's will, how we have broken God's law, how, how we have rebelled against God's love, how we have not heard the cry of our neighbors, we have not heard the cry of the needy, not loved our, our, our friends, we have not loved our enemies either. So we get to step into this ethic that says, I'm right here with you. Let me show you how to treat one another. If we ignore it, we'll continue to be wandering in the wilderness. The goal, the final goal, is a renewed covenant, a renewed spirit, a renewed covenant, one about which future generations will say, truly, this generation, us right now, having come through this great ordeal of pandemic and all the stuff from last year, truly, they committed to loving God and loving neighbor. Truly, this generation understands it's not enough just to show up that we have to be tuned into God and tuned into one another if we want the world to change through us. So today this meal is here for you. This is not the meal, a meal of the United Methodist Church or First United Methodist Church. This is a, a covenantal meal that God extends to all who would be so bold to come forward and to present one's hands and to say, I cannot do this on my own, but I want to be a part of something redemptive, a new community that changes the world. Let it begin. Let it begin today. Amen.